a rabbi gets up to speak for half an hour on the topic of Sher Haber, on this animal of the beast of the Thousand Mountains. And he's talking about the Shar Habar, Shar Habar, and the president of the shul is listening and listening. He has no idea what the rabbi is talking about. At the end of the lecture, the rabbi says, is any questions? So the president gets up, he raises his hand, says, Rabbi, to be honest, I don't know how to spell Shar Habar. Number two, I don't know how to play the Shaharbar. But number three is, we really need Mashiach to come already. This idea of the Shaharbar is all about the meal that we're going to eat after Mashiach comes. What is the source of this Shaharbar? We find Vayikra Rabba, the Medrash on Vayikra Chapter 13, number 3. You have it here in your syllabus. It says, Amma Rab Yudin Rabbi Yudin, the son of Rab Shimon, says that when Mashiach will come, there will be a big contest between two major animals. One is called the Behemoths, which is known as the wild ox. And the other one is called the Vyasa, which is the fish. And they're going to have a contest. And both of them are going to kill the other. How is this going to happen? Ketzad heim nishchotim. How are they going to be slaughtered? And they have to be slaughtered for them to be kosher. Because if you're having a meal, and you have to have a kosher meal, they have to be slaughtered. So how are you going to slaughter the, the uh, behemoth? And how are you going to slaughter the Vyasan? So he says, the behemoth will thrust into the Vyasan with its horns and tear it. And the Vyasan, they say, the behemoth And the Vyasan, the big fish, will thrust into this ox with its fins. And the fins will then pierce the neck of the ox, the shur, and the shur will die according to ritual slaughter. The Medjus goes on to say, but the sages say it's improper to slaughter with a harvesting sickle, a saw, or teeth, because they tear. And we know that the, the fins are not straight. They have like some sort of teeth. And therefore it's not a proper shechita, it's not a proper slaughter. So how could this, this shir, this ox be kosher? So this is the question that comes to mind. The Medjish goes on to say, that Avin Bakahana said, the Holy One blessed be he said, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 51, verse number 4. And that is a new instruction will go forth from me. A novel instruction will go forth from me, implying there will be a new Torah, a new insight to Torah. 
And because of this, the law will be that even if the Leviasa has slaughtered the ox, it will be kosher, and therefore everybody will be able to eat from this ox at the meal of Mashiach. Let's understand this on a simple level. Pshat, Remez, Hin, Drush, Hamaletics, Soid, Esoteric, and Exodus. So on a simple level, Mashiach is going to come. There'll be a big meal for the righteous. Who's the righteous? All the Jewish people are righteous. And then you have the righteous amongst the nations of the world who follow the seven Noahide laws. And the Hasidei Umayis Ha'ilam, those that are pious, from the nations of the world, and they will all participate in this in this meal. What will be served at this meal? You can have the Leviathan, the fish, the Shehabur, the the axe, and you can have the wine that was watched and heated from the beginning of creation. It was protected in its shell from the beginning of creation. This is going to be the meal. This is the pshat, simple interpretation. What's the remez? What's the hint? The hint is that everything we do now has an impact on what will take place in the future. Now, what is the meaning of this shir habar? Or shir habar? What does it mean? The word bar is like the word bar mitzvah. What does bar mitzvah mean? Bar mitzvah means not the son of mitzvah, which it could mean the son of mitzvah, but primarily bar comes from the word bar levav, which means a pure heart. So bar mitzvah means to do a mitzvah with purity. Sher habar means the pure ox. And why is it a pure ox? Implying that the ox will be purified. That we will eat the ox, not out of gluttony or because we're ravenous or because we have a desire for a good steak, but rather it will be pure intentions. And that the world will be in a state of purity at that time. This concept is further expounded in Kabbalah, that it represents that it's through the ox that we have the ability to plow the land and grow tremendous amount of, of grain. It's the energy of the animal that needs to be transformed. So the shur represents the animal soul that is now transformed and pure, and because of this, we have the ability to elevate all of the physical, raw materials for the sake of God. This is the remnants. What is drush? What's the homiletics? So there's a question over here, and that is, is the, the shir habor something which is real? Is it going to happen? Or is it something which is a spiritual concept? Is it a physical meal or is it a spiritual meal? On one hand, we speak about the, the ox or the beast of the thousand mountains, as Job calls it. 
which means it goes to a thousand different mountains and it eats all the different grass over there, or it lies on the thousand mountains. This is the opinion of many of the commentaries, including the Ravid. The Ravid says there will be a physical meal, a practical meal that will take place when Mashiach comes. The Rambam, however, seems to say that it's a spiritual concept. And that the, the, the righteous will sit with their crowns upon their head, which means they'll have tremendous wisdom in God and bask in tremendous pleasure on a spiritual level. This is the drush. What is the soy? What is the esoteric? The gematria of Sher is 506, which is the same as Aleinu Lishabeach. It's upon us to praise God. And the Aleinu Lishabeach was created by Yehoshua, Joshua, after the walls of Jericho fell. And Joshua comes from Joseph which is known as the ox. Furthermore, the concept of Sher, or the gematria of Sher, which is 506, is the same gematria as the first letters of which is a Kabbalistic prayer, which alludes to the, the name of God, one of the names of God, which is Aleph Beis Gimel Yud Tov Tzadik, and the Sher equals this same gematria, which is 506, which implies the level of chesed shebegvura, that even though the Sher is on the left side of the chariot, which is gvura, yet at the same time it has this kindness, tremendous kindness, when it's used for the sake of God, to praise God and to transform the animal soul into holiness. What does Chassidus say all about this? So the Rebbe has a talk from Shavuos, Tavshin, Nun Aleph. And he asks the question. The Rambam tells us that even after Mashiach comes, the Torah will never change. It's not, we're not going to add to the Torah, we're not going to diminish from the Torah. Furthermore, says the Rambam, Torah is not in heaven. Furthermore, says the Rambam, a Navi, a prophet, has no right to innovate anything in Torah. Yet, we say Mashiach will come, and you're going to have the Leviathan, the big fish, and the fish will take its fin, and the fin is not smooth like a, like a slaughtering knife, a kosher slaughtering knife, but rather it has teeth, and it's going to shecht, the Sher is going to shech this giant axe, which is the beast of a thousand mountains, and it's going to be kosher to eat. How can it be kosher to eat? So how do we understand this transformation? And the fact that the Medrash concludes by saying, there'll be a new innovation to the Torah is not enough, because what does that mean? God is going to reveal to Mashiach, new secrets through prophecy, and Mashiach is going to teach it to us. But we just said that a prophet cannot reveal new things in the Torah. So Mashiach will be a prophet, he'll hear the words from God, and he's going to teach it to us, 
But it's still a problem. The problem is that you cannot reveal new things in Torah through a prophet. And yet the Torah says that you have to shech with a smooth knife, not with a knife that is serrated. So what is this idea of innovation in Torah? The Talmud tells us in the Tractate of Megillah, page 19b, Kol mash a Talmud vasik chadish, Whatever a seasoned, smart, sharp student will innovate, all of this, hakel nitna everything was given to Moses on Sinai. So hold on. Was it given to Moses on Sinai? So how does the sharp student innovate it? How do these two ideas reconcile? The famous story of Rabbi Akiva, that Moses, after he passed away, he was sitting in the heavenly yeshiva, and God brings him into one of the rooms for a lecture. Who's lecturing that day, Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva is a brilliant scholar. He begins to elaborate on all of the crowns on the letters in the Torah. And Moshe is floored. Can't believe it. Unbelievable. This guy is smart. He's brilliant. He's innovative. Where does he get all this stuff from? And he's really slouching in his seat. God says to Moshe, what are you embarrassed about? Relax. Listen until he finishes the lecture. And finally, Abi Kiva finishes the talk and says, you should know, and whatever I told you here today was all given to Moses on Sinai. Moses turns to God and says, God, I didn't say that. What do you mean? God tells Moshe, you gave the general rules. You gave the principles. Now they took those principles and they applied it and they came up with this stuff. So really, it comes from you. Without these principles, they never would have formulated these ideas. So we see on one hand is a concept that everything was in the Torah, everything was given to God, from God to Moshe on Sinai. And at the same time, there could be a sharp student that innovates new ideas. And that is what Moshe gave on Sinai. When it comes to this reality, there are two levels. There's the reality that a smart, sharp, seasoned student can reveal certain things by putting himself into learning and dedicating himself to a subject. So he has the ability to now innovate in Torah. And we say this innovation was given by Moses on Sinai. And then there's a level that you cannot find because it's so secretive, it's so deep. The human mind cannot reveal it. This is the meaning that when Mashiach will come, that God himself is going to reveal a new aspect of Torah, that it's so deep that the human mind cannot comprehend it. So God will reveal it to Mashiach, but this concept already was in the Torah. But it was so deep and it was so hidden and so concealed that no human being had the possibility of ever finding it and revealing it. So now God gives this thought, this teaching over to Mashiach. And yes, it started with prophecy. That's the way God communicates with Mashiach. But Mashiach will use his intellectual faculty to understand it with his own mind and then he will articulate it to the Jewish people 
He will articulate it to the world as a whole, and they will comprehend it and understand it with their own minds, as the Rambam says, when Mashiach will come, then we will know the secrets of God, according to the strength of man's own mind, implying that the human mind will comprehend these ideas, and then we will understand these new novelties that were never introduced up until now. So it's a novelty, it's a new concept, yet it's not a contradiction to the Torah because it came from the Torah. It's not a new Torah. It's the same Torah. But it was not yet revealed, it was not yet seen, it was not yet found or discovered. Now God himself is the only one that could reveal how it was always there. But yet, the human mind will comprehend this and therefore it will not be a prophet revealing new teachings, but rather Mashiach as a teacher and a Talmud Vasek, a brilliant scholar, revealing these ideas intellectually to his generation. One of these ideas that Mashiach will explain and reveal is how it was possible that with the fin of the Leviathan, we have the ability to shecht and slaughter the Sher Habar. How is it possible? According to Allah, you're only allowed to use a smooth knife. And yet, you cannot use a sickle or a saw or teeth. And yet, we use here the, the fin of the Leviathan. Number two is, who's, do, who's doing the slaughtering? Who's doing the shechting? Is the Leviathan himself doing it? It cannot be. Because the law is, if a knife falls to the ground and the animal gets slaughtered, it's not kosher. There has to be an intent. So who is doing the slaughtering here? Says the Rebbe that, being that the Medrash tells us all may slaughter, who is all implying? All is including Almighty God. That God himself will take the fin of Leviathan, and he's going to use the fin of Leviathan to slaughter this beast of the thousand mountains. Comes the question to mind, how could it be kosher? It has to be smooth. So the answer is, this is the Chiddush. That up until now, we only spoke about a human being doing shechita. For a human being to do shechita, to do the slaughtering, it has to be smooth. But the Torah never discussed what would be the law when God does the shechita. When God does the slaughtering. God, when he does the slaughtering, is allowed to use a serrated knife. Why? How do we comprehend this? What is the idea of shechita? What is the idea of slaughtering an animal? The idea of slaughtering an animal is, as the Gemara says, Ein vishachat mashach, that the reason why you have to slaughter is to draw the animal to a higher level. In other words, even though the animal is kosher, right? Yet, because the animal is a kosher animal, doesn't mean you're allowed to take a, a, a knife and cut the head off and eat the animal. You have to slaughter it properly. And then you have to salt it. And then you can eat it. Because the purpose of eating this animal is to elevate the, the energy in the animal and to serve God with it. And therefore, the Torah gives us rules, gives us laws, and allows us to transform the animal into potential man. So if we eat the animal without slaughtering it, 
then it slips us down to the level of beast. But if we first slaughter the animal, according to Torah way, then we have the potential to elevate the animal into the level of humankind, which means when a, a, a person eats it, and he makes a bracha before he eats it, and he first takes the salt, and he puts it on the meat to draw the blood, which is the passion for the meat, out of the meat. Now he just uses the vitamins of the meat for the sake of God, by learning Torah, and by praying, and by giving charity. He has the ability to elevate the animal. If he doesn't use a kosher knife, he no longer has that potential to elevate the animal. So this is true for a human being. But the Gemara and the Torah does not discuss the laws, what would be if God will come along and slaughter the animal. That's a different halacha. That's a chidush. That's a novelty that Mashiach will introduce. When it comes to God slaughtering the animal, there's a different concept here. God can use a serrated knife. Why? How do we understand this? So let's look into what Hasidus says about the Sher Habor and Leviathan. We spoke about the Leviathan in a previous class already, but just to quickly refresh our memory, the word Leviathan, which means this big fish, comes from the word Levi, a Levite, which means, Hapam that this time my husband will be connected to me. So the word Leviathan means to be connected to God. This represents a person who's on a very high spiritual status. And he connects to God through making Yehudim, which means making unifications in the higher worlds. He's familiar with the secrets of creation. He's familiar with the secrets of the Makov, of the chariot, and my separation, etc., etc. And therefore, he has the capacity to delve all day in this abstract holy, unified connection with God. And that is why the fish comes from the water, which is a metaphor for the Alma Discasia, which are the concealed worlds. Just like you can't see anything in the water, all you see is ocean. But in the ocean, you have whatever you have on land. You also have those species, that amount of species in the ocean. The same is true, Leviathan represents a fish from the higher worlds and it represents the unity that one has with God by meditating on these unities of the secrets of creation. This is the Leviathan. Which by the way, this is one of the reasons why you don't have to slaughter fish. You don't have to shech fish. Because the purpose of slaughtering is to elevate to a higher level. The fish, to begin with, are on a higher level. They come from the world of concealment, the world of alma discasia. You don't have to elevate it through shechita, through slaughtering it. So this is the Leviathan, representing one who is dedicated to this higher reality. Then you have the Sherabur, which deals with the ox. This deals with, as we call in Chassidus, to mevade berurim, to elevate the sparks. He deals with the everyday physical world, plowing the ground, 
and harvesting and grinding and, and cooking and baking and building with bricks and mortar. This is a very down-to-earth person. Says the Medrash that what is the big miracle that will take place when Mashiach comes? That God will take the fin of Leviasa and he's going to slaughter the Shur Habar. In other words, this axe, which represents the physical world, will now be elevated through slaughtering to the level of the Leviasa. And each of these two animals will complement each other. The Leviasa, which is spiritual, will come down to the physical world. And the Shur, which is in the physical world, will be elevated to the level of the secrets of creation. Who can do this? Only God can do this. To take the shur, which represents the physical world and the sparks of this physical world, and elevate it to the level of Leviathan, only God can cause this miracle through his slaughtering, through his shechita. And therefore, God needs, so to speak, the serrated fin of Leviathan. The fact that it's serrated means it's not one stroke, but rather there are different levels because to bring the shore, the ox, from this very low world, dealing with the physical world of action and even the world of formation and even the world of creation, which is a totally different reality than the world of Atsilos and the world of Adam Kadden, etc., etc., it needs to bring up the axe in different steps. So therefore it has the serrated knife, the serrated fin, which implies that it moves one level to another level and takes a break in between so that the, the axe could digest and internalize this new reality, this new level, without totally exploding and losing its identity. And this is the chidush, this is the novelty that Mashiach is going to introduce and reveal at this meal with the slaughtering of the shur, this ox that is refined and totally transformed. So this is what it's all about. Is it a real meal? Is it a spiritual meal? We have to wait and see until Mashiach comes. But one thing's for sure that the Shur this is the culmination of all the work that we have done throughout the days of exile by the fact that we live in this everyday world and we have temptations, and we have desires, and we have struggles, and we have pain, and we have suffering, and we have all these obstacles that try to remove us from doing Torah mitzvahs. And yet, we maintain a focus, we maintain our identity, and we overcome the temptations of this world. By doing these things, we prepare ourselves and prepare the, the entire world for the coming of Mashiach, for the Suda, for this banquet that Mashiach will introduce with the Leviathan and with the Sharbar and with the Yain and Meshumar. 
and all these d- delicious delicacies with the Kambi of Mashiach speedily in our days. Any questions? Says that after um, Mashiach comes, we're not going to have anybody, we're not going to have anything to eat, we're not going to need any food, we're not going to need anything. Then why do we have this meal? And how can the meal be there if we don't have a body? You're saying you're giving us a spiritual. That's what I said, that that's only the opinion of the Rambam. Okay, well, I'm just saying in this thing you gave us, the red. Huh? In this thing you gave us, the red is part of yes. that. Yes. But there's also the opinion of the Ravid and, and many other commentaries so that, uh, that say that it's going to be, it's going to be a, a physical meal. Okay, so and that there are two step, steps and two stages that the Rambam is really talking about the second stage. So what, so why but in the first stage, is going to be a physical meal. Yeah, but why are we going to be resurrected if we don't need a body? Why, we, why is our body going to be resurrected if we don't oh. need a body? So now you want to know why we have to be resurrected. If we don't need a body. So the answer is that the body comes from Atmos, comes from the essence of God, which is higher than the soul. And that will be revealed after Mashiach comes. So today, the body receives its, its, its nourishment from the, the soul. When Mashiach will come, the soul will receive its nourishment from the body. So this is again the Chidush. The, the novelty that, that will take place after Mashiach comes. It's interesting to me. Why 